everybody it's dan binder boneyard coming at you from the office break room lunchroom uh part storage dog kennel camping gear temporary housing shelter uh refugee migrant storage um home home for wayward children um it is uh sunday uh, about four o'clock burning this thing out uh been here most of the day doing stuff cleaning up weekends at the boneyard are a lot of um pick up straighten up clean up um personal project straighten up um that kind of stuff get ready for the week um normally how shit happens around here is we just run wide open all week everything gets messy and dirty and tools get piled up and everything like that it just turns into a disaster zone so the weekends I like to go through and straighten back up and reorganize and regroup for the next week. That and a lot of uh, customers like to swing by, walk-in customers and um, people passing through. We're right on Highway 97, so we're pretty busy, thoroughfare, a lot of people driving by like to stop and say hi. So that's what I was doing today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the shares, the likes, the follows, the subscriptions. If you have the SoundCloud app, if you're listening to us through SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you click that subscribe button. Um, we're trying to get onto some other platforms like Spotify and, um, oh, oh, there's a couple other ones out there that cost money to be on, but they don't cost money once you get to a certain listenership subscription or platform level. So um, trying to get there so that, uh, you know, we can reach more people. So appreciate you guys spreading the word. Love it. Uh, it helps everyone. The more people that we can help with this podcast, the, the more internationals will stay on the road and the less likely they are to get jacked up by people who don't know what's going on. So I uh, appreciate all that. Um, you know, if you're following on the social platforms, uh, Instagram, Binder Boneyard, YouTube, Binder Boneyard. Uh, the Facebook page, uh, there's the Binder Boneyard business page that I have been posting on again. Uh, I did let that lapse pretty bad, but I'm back to posting stuff on that. Um, the page is a lot more fun is the... Uh, IH Truck and Scout Mafia page. Um, that's turned into a lot of fun. So, um, you know, if you want to have a good time and you have some thick skin and you're not uh, too sensitive to um, pictures of scantily clad women and or internationals, then that might be the place for you. Um, so thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for all the shares, all the likes, everything. Really appreciate it. If you want to donate to the cause, we do have a Patreon page. Um, you know, it's a donation page um, of sorts. It's more like, um, I don't know what you call it, like a subscription, I guess, where you donate, you know, a dollar a month uh, or five dollars a month or whatever, whatever you feel like donating. And, um, you know, it all goes to the, to the greater good. Um, if you feel feel so inclined, if not, then just keep listening and 
enjoying the free tech. But anyway, um, calendar, birthday cruise, March 16th through the 19th, uh, 2019, Route 66. Uh, starting in Bakersfield, California area, and we're headed east. Uh, I might be by myself. I might have Josie. I don't know her schedule. Her work schedule, she has an important job that sometimes she can't get away from. So hopefully she can go. If she can't, I'm going to miss the heck out of her. But, you know, whatever. I've wanted to do this for a long time, and it, it's all coming together. So anyway, if you can come with your international vehicle, that would be amazing. Uh, just plug up Route 66 with internationals. It would be kind of fun. So anyway, um, that's about it for old business. Um Thanks for all the feedback on the the recent podcasts about the kind of the do's. I did a whole thing about the don'ts, um, but the do's I feel like cover way more episodes than just a half hour single episode. So um, we kind of started off this whole chain with suspension. Um, last episode was a lot of engine updates or um, not engine so much as uh, operating system updates, so ignition systems, fuel systems, that kind of stuff. Uh, Want to touch on the engine a little bit more, and then maybe break into transmission because uh, I think those two things can fit in this one episode. Um, we're talking about engines. Um, the wiring got to be really careful with internationals. The highest amperage alternator you could have gotten on an international from the factory was like 60 i want to say and so the wiring setup and the entire wiring all the power everything runs through the ammeter on the dash so if you start pushing you know a 90 amp alternator you are going to melt that gauge you're going to blow the copper printing off of the back of that circuit board and your gauge is going to fry and then you probably start a fire um, which is really common wiring fires are are common on the internationals especially the scouts with the way the bulkhead connectors are and everything i know the pickups have bulkhead connectors too but you don't hear about fires in the trucks nearly as much as you do as the scouts so um what you have to do definitely do if you want to run an alternator you know higher than 60 amps and you've got a lot of accessories uh, light bars uh, lights on the front rock lights backup lights big stereo um i don't know shit inside uh, crock pot that you run off of your cigarette lighter whatever um you are going to want to run a shunt is what a lot of people refer to it as. We're literally taking a heavy gauge wire right from the back of the alternator straight to the battery. That helps carry some of the load off of the gauge because what happens is the amp, the um, alternator, it goes right from the back of the alternator right to the gauge. And then from the gauge, it goes back out um, I mean, it powers the fuse panel and then runs down to the starter where the starter has the large battery lug um, and then that, of course, runs to the battery. So that's how the battery gets charged 
is that that big blue wire uh, carries all the power back down to there. So it charges the battery after the fact. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm probably not ex describing it as best I could, but all you need to know is that when you put a lot of accessories and electrical draw on stuff, it has to go through that gauge first and it just wrecks everything. So run a shunt, run a large eight or 10 gauge wire from the back of the alternator right to the battery. Do it cleanly, run it down the motor loom, across the firewall, back around. I know um, you can run it down to the starter too, like the factory uh, wiring is as well, because there's that, the lug, which is where the battery is. Um, that's, you know, that works as well. One thing that we like to do, I know it's not, it's not necessary, necessarily a do, but it's something that we like to do to help head off problems at the pass. And that is the um, remote starter solenoid upgrade. So, um, and I'm sure if you've done any amount of searching anywhere, you've been seeing that there's the hot start problem that internationals are known for um, because the um, starter solenoid is close to the uh, exhaust manifold. And from the factory, they came with this tin heat shield that helps block the heat and uh, makes it, um, oh, I don't know. It just blocks the heat, insulates that, uh, insulates that uh, starter solenoid, and it's not a problem uh, for long. I mean, it does, even over time, it does still cook that solenoid and becomes a problem, but it lasts a lot longer. I've had... I put solenoids in trucks back in the day before I knew what the hell was going on. I put a solenoid in a truck and it would last like a month before it got cooked by the exhaust manifold. And then the internals of the solenoid fail and you know, you're back to having the hot start problem. So international had a tin shield that they put over the solenoid and that, um, made it, I don't know. Uh, just protected it but um, one thing that guys do is I still keep a heat shield on it to keep that solenoid and keep that starter from getting heat soak but if you run the remote solenoid like the Ford starter solenoid up on the firewall then that gives you a place to attach your shunt from your alternator um, and it gives you, you know, it's easier access to the starter wiring because when you do the starter wiring, you know, at the starter, you just run the battery cable from the, from the Ford solenoid to the, the lug on the solenoid. And then, uh, you know, a little 10 gauge jumper from that lug on the starter solenoid to the S terminal. Uh, and it works great. Then you can have that Ford solenoid up on top easy to get at gives you a source to jump power off of if you need it for other accessories gives you that spot for the alternator shunt to go to and then uh, and then if it ever fails in the future it's so much easier to change that ford solenoid than it is to change the international one or g it's a delco setup so it's gm essentially on that starter so 
but it's just easier to take care of it um, when it's up on the firewall versus down at the starter. And they still do go bad down on the starter, but with the tinge shield and everything, they last a hell of a lot longer. So that would be my do for the wiring alternator charging system. Um, you know, don't go more than 60, and if you do, run a shunt. Um, and then the other accessory uh, is power steering. Um, make sure you don't run that thing out of fluid. That's a, a kind of a no-brainer, but man, once you run them out of fluid, those veins inside the pump start eating themselves alive. Uh, one thing I really recommend across the board, unless you are driving a bone stock Scout, that you have stock tires on and never take it off-road, never lock the hubs in, you probably don't need to worry about this. But anybody who uses it mildly off-road, maybe hits the sand dunes once a year or goes to the beach or whatever, put in a power steering fluid cooler. Even if it's just, just a little one, that's just a single single row, single pass, tube style cooler. Put one in. It's amazing how fast you will cook that fluid in the power steering pump uh, when you're off-road, when you're doing stuff. You get stuck, you're sawing the wheel back and forth. That You will burn that shit way fast. And when you start getting fluid that hot, you start compromising hoses, seals, the box, all that stuff. You, you're running, you know, 300 degree oil through your power steering box. You are going to melt something inside of it as well. And it's mostly steel inside there, but there are the um, the O-rings and stuff, Teflon and Viton O-rings that keep pressure where it's supposed to be. So it's very uh, smart to have a cooler on that power steering line. And it's not the pressure side. That's the thing. Don't worry about the high pressure side. Just take the low pressure side, which if you look will just be, you know, the back of the pump will have a, a barb, essentially, and then the box will also have a barb. Uh, and there's just a hose clamp line on there. You can take that off and then get yourself, I don't know, six feet of... 3/8 transmission cooler line or you know that's normally what we use and get yourself one of them single pass coolers mount it up front in front of the radiator below you know somewhere where it's in the flow of the fan like that's the important part you can mount it under there mount it to the inner fender if you want and you might drop the temperature of the fluid a couple degrees but if it's in front of the fan in front of the radiator it's going to be that much more effective. Um, and it won't compromise the cooling of the radiator that much, especially if you just get a little single pass one. But it's amazing how much of a difference that makes, having just a little bit of cooling in that system, plus you're carrying more fluid. More fluid means it's going to run cooler anyways. You're going to have longer long life out of the pump and out of the box and that sort of stuff so um whenever we do a new system um always put a cooler on it 
if you're running like now you hardcore guys if you're running big tires and shit like that you're gonna have a steering ram a ram assist setup that's what i've got on all my wheelers it's ram assist you have to run a cooler for that and you normally have to run a separate reservoir or extension on yours um for uh more fluid capacity because that ram will use up all of the fluid out of the pump uh, in a stock size can so make sure you have enough capacity if you're running big shit when you're hardcore um so that's my my tip for power steering just run a cooler on it uh and and make sure your hoses are good and all that because you don't want to cook out you know your steering box because you can't buy them new you can't even buy them rebuilt from any of the parts stores anymore and be careful because you're going to go to a fucking O'Reilly's, you're going to tell them what you have, and they're going to go, oh yeah, no, that's totally right here. It's $299 from fucking A1 Cardoni. Well, it's not right. Every single person I've ever seen post on Facebook that they found one at O'Reilly's or AutoZone, and they, and they fucking brag about it. These fucking guys, they go, oh, yeah, I found one in AutoZone. Like, no big deal. I don't know what your guys' problem is. And then three days later, they post back up, and they're like, um, why won't this bolt up? And yeah, it's because we all fucking told you that they are wrong. We don't know what they're putting in those boxes, but they are not Scout 2 power steering boxes. Um you know so if you fry your box you need to have it rebuilt by a shop um shop out of texas um i can't remember what they're called they do a decent job there's well there's um is it west texas off-road they do a good job at rebuilding boxes uh, i personally use pro steering systems in portland oregon we send everything to them uh even my high-end ram assist boxes um they do they do a great job i've never had a complaint never had a failure nothing with them they do all like my black truck has a box from them everything they do a great job and they're really reasonably priced so that's what we use um and uh you know while you're working on steering if you go if you do have to have a box rebuild or go that route you know a lot of the scout two guys like to update to the borgeson steering joint uh, get rid of the rag joint um, and that cleans up a little bit of wander and ill handling too. You get rid of that worn out rubber coupler and put in an actual metal on metal U-joint. They, um, they really get real crisp. The steering gets pretty, pretty firm. Um, the only downside is you feel more road, uh, road feel, I guess, more, more feedback through the wheel. So if you're looking for, you know, cushy Cadillac steering you're not going to get it with that Borgeson joint but they do make a Borgeson joint with like a rubber isolator I personally haven't used it it's pretty expensive last I saw um I mean the joints themselves are expensive enough as it is so to add more in there but I kind of like a little road feel just because it helps me uh, when things are starting to wear out I can tell Steering stuff update, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a, a must-do, but it is a good idea to consider it if you want to firm up your driving experience, uh, especially if you have a stock Scout and it wanders a little bit and you've done, 
you know, you've got caster correction done. You've got new tie rod and drag link. You might even have a new rebuilt steering box. And you still got some weird wander or squishiness in the steering wheel. You might want to look into that, uh, into the steering joint update. Um, because it's, it's um, you know, it's a thing. They wouldn't sell that stuff uh, if it wasn't something that people would use um you know that's what we um we do on almost everything you know they they all get that sort of um you know firming up same thing with on the scout twos they get straight steer braces um i would consider that a must do if you have a scout scout two traveler terra straight steer brace um they Keep the frame from flexing around the steering box. And the steering box flex is a big deal. And it's a thing. I know some guys roll their eyes about it. It is a thing. I have seen my share, way more than my share of Scout 2 frames cracked around where they bolt through the frame and where the box mounts to the frame. So all of our restorations, all of our steering updates that we do now, they get two things. They get... Of course, the steering box comes off. We clean the frame up really good. We weld up all the cracks, grind the frame flat. Then we take the plate from IH Parts America. Uh, and I think Randy at GRC makes them as well. You put that on the frame, and it's like a quarter-inch thick plate that's got the Scout 2 hole pattern in it for the steering box. Weld that fucker on. That's what we do. Burn that thing in. Good. Then we put a straight steer brace on, which joins the two frame rails together under the oil pan or under the um, crank pulley. And uh, then that ties the front left frame to the right frame and stiffens it up even more. Those two things go a long ways towards bringing uh, the steering box into uh, a firm hold. Uh, because you don't want that steering box wandering around because it will it'll create it'll create more wander and it gets worse with bigger tires big offset wheels anything that puts more stress on the uh, on the steering components themselves it's gonna amplify the problems that you have with the steering box and steering stuff so um, I guess I would consider that a must-do. Straight steer brace and frame bracing is a must-do on Scout 2s. Uh, pickups, travel alls with power steering, the frames do crack as well. The 74 and 5 trucks got internal bracing on their frames that the 70, 69 to 73s did not have. So pay attention to that, uh, you guys, on that one. Yours isn't quite as bad because the steering is push-pull versus crossover side-to-side. -side. So the steering box is trying to twist off of the frame on the pickups whereas the scouts is trying to pull away or off of the frame so um you 8800 guys you're pretty lucky because you got manual steering and the frames are fine and you don't have to worry about it uh, if you update to power steering like when we do power steering conversions on the 80s and 800s you just plate the shit out of everything and you're generally pretty good so, um, so I guess that would be a must-do. Straight steer, plate the frame. Uh, Borgeson joint, not a must-do, but 
highly recommend it. Um, steering cooler, highly, highly recommend it. Really highly recommend it. Um, you know, I guess that's where I'd go with on that. Uh, the only other accessory I can think of besides alternator and power steering is, uh, is air conditioning. Not everybody has it. Uh, a lot of you guys, you know, they quit working years ago. You can buy the York style compressors still from uh, Summit. I just get, you know, Summit has it. It's like 220 bucks. company called Four Seasons. It's R134 ready. Um, and then you can buy the clutch. We buy the clutches from Napa. They're 200 bucks. So for a little over 400 bucks, you get a new pump, new clutch, bolts right in, works factory, um, and it's set up for 134. So you need to update the rest of your system to handle 134. Um, sometimes, so the definitely receiver dryer. Um, you know, we've had we've had you know success with leaving the rest of the system stock and uh, and just changing the O-rings out to Viton. Uh, if they're flare type fittings, it, it's fine. Um, but um, if they have O-ring fittings, then you want Viton in them. Sometimes the hoses can't handle 134. It just depends. I mean, we've done it. Uh, or a friend of mine, I'm sorry, a friend of mine did it on his Ford pickup, like a 75 F250 that had factory AC. Charged, and it was an R12 system that they charged with 134 after changing the compressor and receiver dryer. And it worked great for like five years until he sold the truck. Um, but other people I know have done the same thing and lose 134 after like a year and a half. Um, so you can have hoses made again, but you can still use your original components. That's what we like to do to keep that factory look. Um, but you know, for 1100 bucks, you buy a vintage air system. It comes with everything, heater and AC. And, you know, you buy the compressor bracket from IH Parts to run the Sandin compressor, and, and it's away you go. But, um, you know, there's options there uh, as far as that goes. But I, I don't know. It's, it comes down to preference on that sort of stuff. I like the factory look of the, of the setup, especially in the um, pickups because you can't see anything. It's just got vents in the dash, and the controller has a thing for AC. Um so no other box to mount anywhere or anything different. You just change some components and and away you go. Um, the Scouts are a little different because they got that big add-on box underneath the dash. It's kind of gaudy. and Some guys like it. Some guys don't. Um, it does have the vent that blows right on your balls, which is kind of handy um, if you got that sort of thing going on. But uh, otherwise, I don't know. The, the vintage air system works pretty good. But again, that is definitely not a must-do. It is something that you can consider, um, and having AC in a Scout is pretty nice. I will say that. Uh, but anyway, um, hopefully that was helpful for you guys. We did not get into transmissions, so we'll probably get onto that next time uh, for Dan's do's and don'ts of this this whatever series of shows. So. Um, thanks again for all the feedback. You guys are great. Hopefully it's helped somebody and um, talk to you guys soon. Thanks again. Yeah.